The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. Making major life decisions is interesting because there's two sides to it. Either it happens to you, there's this external factor like we talked about, having a disease or or someone near to you dying, having massive impact on you. Mm-hmm. One can also create an experience. Instead of life happening to them, they create tension. And that also has this impotence for experiencing life anew. By taking risks. It's taking a risk, of course. Nice. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest. We fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. Like a nephew and niece. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healer. And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos. And we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos. And we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos. And we like it that way. So this is us coming back after a month. And there have been a lot of exciting developments in that month. So we made the first episode of our comeback show to be... Making Major Life Changes. You know, when we said, let's come back, and what's the the first topic going to be? It was really interesting because it was like, well, a lot changed in the last month for both of us. And the topic of making major life decisions was a pretty obvious thing to uh to discuss when we were here it, it feels like we're so aligned in uh, the the kind of direction we uh would be moving in right yeah and I, and I also find that when you surround yourself with people that are really living really exploring really challenging themselves it boosts your game yeah and what i really thought was nice because i always like to discuss what we're doing in our own lives, but then also discuss it on a, on a larger level, a larger scale, like more meta level understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and the one thing I've learned in life is like, I'll be coaching and mentoring people for sometimes years at a time. Yeah. And I've seen that if I do any kind of measurement matrix with them, not much changes. But you know what the biggest factor for change has been in, in my experience? There's two factors that I see are most likely to change a person's behavior in a short in a short amount of time. Near death of someone around oh, them. Oh fuck, yeah. And their own health. Oh shit, that's yeah, that's you and our dear friend. Yeah, so <laughs> if someone gets cancer, you notice immediately they change a lot of shit in their lives because they prioritize differently. And the same is true if someone dies near to them. Those have a bigger impact on personal and they're, and they're, development. And they're than both connected else. to death. And yeah, they're both connected to death. Interesting you say that, yeah. And there's one more. What's that? And that is if you've suffered enough in your life circumstances. And actually, there's also connected to death because I've experienced it myself, right? Yeah. Um, when, when, you, when you've come to a point in your life and you're, you've liked the expression you've burned the bridge behind you. So actually 
you're in a place of like, oh, do I end my life or or like, yeah. do I go to the doctor? Like, I'm fucked right now. Yeah. And there's no, there's a panic attack. There's no space. Then what do I do from there? And and that can also be used as a catalyst. To, a catalyst for massive shift. Bam. Yeah, I wrote about that in the book, right? That was sort of that first book I talked about how I emotionally committed suicide because living with my misery was so terrible. I had to decide to allow the other person to die. Otherwise, life wasn't worth living anyways. Give some context because when you... After my mom died, I spent years generally suffering and feeling in great depression. And what ended up happening is I reached a point where I saw that I had to let that other person die. I had to let the idea of Andy, whoever that person was, die and just be something totally new. <sighs> and that's that's really scary because when you disidentify with yourself, mm. you don't know what you're actually stepping into. Yeah, it's, it, would, would would we call that the dark night of the soul? You know, it might it might start with the dark night of the soul for sure. But I guess what I and I think that this dovetails really nicely with this topic that we have today, because I've seen making major life decisions is interesting because there's two sides to it. Either it happens to you. There's this external factor like we talked about when I, and I and I mentioned about having a disease or or someone near to you dying, having massive impact on you. Mm-hmm. And, and then I noticed that one can also create an experience which redefines what they might experience, right? They put, a, they put their own, instead of life happening to them, they create tension. And that also has this impotence for experiencing life anew. By taking risks. It's taking a risk, of course. Nice. And, and, I, and I see it's harder for people to do that. And obviously because the security and comfort one gets with their surrounding makes it really easy to stay in kind of, if you were going to look at it as a boat, you don't want to go too far off a shore because the water could get stormy. So in that way, we always kind of stay near to where we're more comfortable. Yeah. So I have always found exciting when I don't have the circumstances around me deciding my future, but me deciding I'm going to take a major life risk and see what it brings me and not really know ahead of time. I, I don't have a plan. It's more of an intention to, to experiment. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. So we can discuss a little bit about what's changed for us. I think that's also nice. So what's the first thing that comes up for you in terms of changing your life? Well, I would love to start with you oh, <laughs> because there are a few things that have happened to us in the last few weeks. The The building that I'm in, you know, we're really starting to think about unwinding this. Yeah. Um, so the Amsterdam's Velfarden is this building. If you haven't seen it, it's on the internet. It's an incredible building. It's uh, it, it's a masterpiece. Amsterdam's Velfarden, by I think by Dutch definition, means the the building. Every every city has one. It's like the chosen building. It's like it has a special monumental meaning. It was the first yeah. nursery of the Netherlands, eighteen thirty. Yeah, and we're sitting in it right now. Yeah, it's a historic building. The tourists are in front of the building, looking at us, waving periodically, and and. And there's this uh, energy that it's helped to create and nurture and, and, and foster over the years. Mm. And, and, and in a way, this is, you know, with COVID and with all the changes going on, it just feels like it's time to move on. It's been a, it's been a great experience. And that moving on started to 
kindle excitement in me, anxiety, because of course I got very comfortable working and, and, and doing a lot of my activities here. But in that discomfort, I saw you begin to take risks. And that's why I'd like to tell more of a narrative because it is a bit of the story. You took from me the first risk after I said, hey, maybe we're going to move out of this building. So what was the what was the thing that you saw come up for you? And then how did that impact you? Because you made big changes in, or made decisions as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but it, it wasn't as a result of the building, by the way. Yeah, but I don't know that because I would like I would yeah. I don't know for sure. But what I'd tell you this is I can never say that what you did also inspired me to do what I did yeah. directly. But I can't say that it wasn't separate from it. There was always pieces. There's of, always interconnection. There's always so that's a little bit more when I'm one so, doesn't equal the other. So first of all, I, I want to publicly thank you for being in my life, mm. and you know, on our journey together. It, you've really been helping me find a lot of peace in myself. Mm. And I remember one of our podcasts where we had our first conflict even. Yeah. Um, you actually wished that for me afterwards. You says, if everything that I do in terms of our relationship is I want you to find more and more peace in yourself. Yeah. And I got to experience that being in Cyprus. I, I go for three weeks to my country and... In general, I would always visit Cyprus for 10 days. I'd have a lot of photo shoots. I kind of connect with family, but it, it wouldn't be a very consistent way of being. Yeah, just long enough to take everything good about the experience, but yeah. none of the bad stuff and then leave again. Yeah, you're yeah. summarizing it beautifully. <laughs> this time, mm. I, I just said, I'm going to go and I'm just going to be with everyone. I'm going to get to know my family on a much deeper level. And, and give them the most precious thing I can give, which is time. Mm. And I mean, the first individual was my mother uh, and sitting every morning with her with a coffee and okay. whether I do eye gazing with her or holding her hand yeah. or, or asking her questions. And I saw, it, uh, I was making videos. If you see the first videos, there was a lot of resistance. Mm but still staying with me. And, and through the journey of the three weeks, uh, there was a lot of laughter, mm. openness. I got to discover parts of my mother, which I didn't even know were there. And I actually saw what a good person she was. I, mm. I actually always labeled her um, a bitch. Wow, really? Yeah. I, she, like I always, what I projected, ne negative woman, always complaining, never moved on from her husband leaving her. Yeah. And through me taking those labels away, I gave myself the opportunity to meet her where she was. Mm -hmm. And by giving her just love, holding space. Mm. And some of the things she was sharing with me were coming from an old story. Yeah. But I saw, I gave her space to share those stories. I was no re longer reactive on her stories. I no longer needed her to not share those stories. They no longer triggered me. And she actually said to me, you know what? None of you ever sat down to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And for the first time after she spoke, those stories no longer had energy in her anymore. Yeah. So I also saw through our relationship, family members started to connect and there was more love. Um, and, and so I'm thanking you because it's only because of our friendship coaching that you've mm. given mentorship 
that I've been capable to be where I am. I would I would say you read you you read the last letter like a hundred times. And because of that one chapter when I told you how bad my dad treated me, <laughs> yeah. you probably heard your own chapter in your head. Like, oh, I remember the chapter when Andy's dad called his mom a cunt and he didn't react to it anymore, you yeah. know? Well, our stories are quite similar and yeah. different, different, or actually the context maybe. Yeah. But not the narrative. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and I took it a step further. I connected with my dad's family. When my father left my mother at, at the age of 15, I was. Mm -hmm. We were not, I would say we disconnected from my dad's family because um, the story was there was blame that that part of the family allowed my father to cheat. Your mom blamed your yeah. dad's part of the family because they didn't. Like impose that your dad don't. I, I don't even want to say blamed. I saw it was painful for her to connect with them. Okay. So there was energetic pushing away. And as kids, we didn't know what to do with that. Mm. So. But it would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. I mean, everyone knew that my dad was cheating. Mm -hmm. And going back now, I could, I had a new pair of eyes and I didn't, I didn't even know it until I was in the situation. Like, wow, if my brother is cheating, I'm not going to talk to his wife. I'm going to talk to him. Mm -hmm. It's his responsibility to do what he wants, but I'm going to talk to him as being a responsible mm -hmm. individual who wants to mirror my brother yeah, and let him make the choice that he has to make. So I met my family from my dad's side and I tapped into so many people. We have a big Greek family with so much love. Mm. <laughs> how many, just help me understand context. How long had it been since you had been in contact with that family? Since age of 15, so 20, 23 years. So you hadn't talked to your dad's family for 23 years. I saw some of them at my dad's funeral. Okay. But that was very brief and not, not enough time to really connect. Wow. That's a long time not to have any contact with that side of the family. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So I find myself now like, wow, I go back to this country. There's a whole network of love mm -hmm. that I've never given myself. I left Cyprus full of hate. Yeah. I go back full of love and I go back with a lot of tools to heal all the relationships. Actually, I don't even want to use the word heal. Uh huh. Like I, I like, like that's not my place, but just being there and allowing the love to enter me, it, it touches me. Yeah. I was in a, in a family setting where I started crying. Uh huh. And one of the family members said, oh, we upset you. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Mm. I've denied myself the, the potential of meeting this love. Mm. Yeah. So I'm with my nephew, my favorite nephew, Agamemnos Meriathobulos. We're in the mountains with this girlfriend. Mm -hmm. He takes me to these beautiful waterfalls. There's a water source where you can drink water. And I'm there under these ice-cold waterfalls. And it just hits me like, wow, in Amsterdam, where I live in the city, people go and do sound healing. They go and spend money on infrared treatments, yeah. harmonizing this and that. And I'm just plugged into mother nature and I feel I'm in bliss. Yeah. And there was this deep calling of me to like, wow, what does life look like if I come and live here? Like I never entertained that thought. Mm, yeah. So... I came down the mountain. I just shared with everyone, hey, listen, I, I feel like I'm going to be an expat in my own country, but I, I'm going to come back for three months end of this year. Uh -huh. 
and see what life. But I want to know, like that moment when you said, I'm going to come back, like, help me go to that moment. Where were you? What happened? I I was in in these waterfalls. Oh, you were in the waterfalls. And, and I see the, how healing the, the sound of the waterfall. I close my eyes. It, it's like a force of nature on my body. It's actually painful on your body. Yeah. But it's massaging me. And I'm thinking like, fuck, this feels like the most natural thing to do is to move back into this part of the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I feel intuitively that I need to get myself a house in, these, in this yeah. area. And I noticed I stood still in that moment because I couldn't even, I never imagined I would entertain thoughts of living in Cyprus because I love my life here in Amsterdam. Yeah. And it's funny, when, once you make a decision, I saw my mind wanting, trying to figure out how to do everything. And there's a part of me is like just surrendering into stop trying to figure it out. Yeah. So as I'm back in Amsterdam and I'm just breathing, I'm seeing old thoughts that would hold me back. Mm. It's been a constant practice bringing back to presence. Like I woke up, I even shared it with you. I woke up at three in the morning on Sunday with this huge uh, download of information of uh, a men's retreat that I can do in Cyprus. And and like, I I took my phone, I'm just recording myself. (laughs) And I looked back at it and like, wow, this is a beautiful retreat. Like I need to create this. Yeah. And the 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 wonderful thing I discovered, I don't need anyone to show up. I'm going to do this retreat even if I do it alone with my brother and nephew. Beautiful. So, so yeah, this is, um, it's calling. Mm. I'd like to hone in on a few things you said because I find there's a, like a deep truth in them that I'd like to like expand on or put a flashlight on. And again, it goes a little bit back to you being in the waterfall. And then you said, I'm doing three months. Yeah. And, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like you in the shower and you said, I'm going to do three it, months. <laughs> it's no different. Me in the shower saying, I'm going to do three months. I'm going to drive through the US. I'm going to do 60 sessions. Like it was. Wow. I didn't even see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's those moments that I found in my own life. There's an intuitive yes, and I don't know what it means yet, but I don't resist it. And 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 when we talked about making major life decision, which is the theme of the show, I associate that in my own life with the exact moment you're pointing at right now. It's a moment where, and it maybe comes once every two or three years in my life. It doesn't come every month by no means. It's like a it's a compelling yes that pulls me way out of my comfort zone and it's right. It's like bungee jumping inside yourself. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is you don't know why it's right, but you know it's right. You, it's almost like I'll figure it out after I figure it out. Like I don't, I can't. I'm going to live it and I, as I'm living it. In, yes. Yeah. I can't know it ahead of time. Yeah. And I think that's when I look at what stops people from making major life decisions before health and death, right? Because that often, as we said, will, will, will be an impetus for really these big life changes. I see that there, uh, there is that moment 
of intuition where when you jump on it, it actually will guide you and you'll only understand it afterwards. Yeah. Like you don't, and, and I see it's hard for most people, and I really say most people, because of our need and desire for control. Yeah. And so the control and the reason wanting to have things around us comfortable stops us from making these major life changes because there's too much fear in it. And therefore that keeps us staying where we're, we're safe. Yeah. We should do a show on comfort, by the way, mental not. Yeah. Comfort. Um, there's a lot of comments coming in from people around. Um, <sighs> Mariam says to us, Oh yes. And doing that constantly, Andy redefining oneself and being okay with it always. Cause everything is okay. I like Miriam's new photo there. Neil says, a lot of growth of your mom last time we talked about. Most proud of you, brother. I don't know what Bololong has to say, but it's nice to see him back. The reason I stayed in Cape Town in the mountains that they have, when I was on it as a visitor, I knew that I'm coming back for a longer stay. Yeah, that's it. And uh, yeah, beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, so that that moment, I see everyone has those moments. And when we don't surrender to it, because it is more of a surrender than a choice. It's almost like the choice was made inside of us. And now are we going to surrender or resist it? Yeah. And, and I, I'll go ahead. I saw you. Well, yeah. It's like if, if you resist it or if you close your eyes down mm. and you stay where you are, there's a part of you that's going to very, on a very subtle nervous level, subtle nervous, it's yeah. going to be like a vibration of, Fuck, I didn't live it. I didn't, I didn't live, live it. it. I didn't, I didn't live, live it. it. Yeah. It's like, how how do you want to die? You always say that, right? Yeah. 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 And, and it's always going to be in the back of your mind as, oh, I, I didn't try, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or Or you could be at peace with whatever it is, and it doesn't matter. I was talking with a mutual friend today that I was with, who you know. I just won't name him. Nothing he did needs to be hidden but um but i talked about i find that life is often a narration so we narrate our own lives mm. and as we write that story and uh, we often are writing the story of what we desire ourselves to be what we aspire to be how we want to see ourselves and it's interesting because as we write our story, it very much is a byproduct of the decisions we make or we don't make. So when you hear people say how scared they were or what they weren't able to do, they're often narrating the story from more of that scarcity type of feeling. Then when you're narrating it from big picture ideas or visions, or then you're narrating it from more of that abundant sort of feeling. Mm. Nice. And what's hard is that it's undeniable that in some cases, people aren't don't have the financial means to do a lot of things they'd want to. So the question is, how do you live in that degree of the abundance mentality or mindset when in fact you're strapped for cash? That's really a, a challenge for for people as well. Of course, you know we can't. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and Bob, and Bob Deutsch, I just want to say because Bob talks about this a lot. And we don't want to neglect Bob because he's been on two shows and he's discussed intuition with us. And I agree with whatever he has to say ahead of him speaking. You know that, Bob. Um, Charles, you can't pronounce his Eames. last name. Eames. 
calls that moment of risk a delicious agony. That's it. I love it, Bob. Thank you, Bob. It is a delicious agony. It really is. Yeah. So I can kind of share please what you so I we took our we took our our hiatus. And in that hiatus, I also said I'm going to I'm going to live the shit out of this time away. Yeah. And and what I did is I first thing I did is I got on a bike and I rode for about 4 hours a day till the edge of the Netherlands. So now I've walked the the tight entire east coast of the country. Yeah, not the entire, but the most of the east coast of the Netherlands on a 7-day hike which will be an article in Dutch magazine. It'll be uh featured in a magazine that gets distributed throughout the world. Very excited about that. And now I've ridden to the basically to Germany on a on a bike. A sore ass, I can tell you. Yes. Yeah. Um but after that, I took a trip, and on that trip, interestingly, I'm, I'm now discovering things as well, because on that trip, I got closer to nature on that bike trip. I don't know if we talked about it, but I, I continually see the closer that I am to nature, the more grounded I feel. Mm. The, and I always use this term, and it sounds morbid, but I don't feel it to be morbid. The, the more comfortable I am with death. Because there's something about being nature which connects me back to just the source of it all, and so I've often felt the closer I am to nature, the more I make peace with my own mortality, yeah. and the more I feel like this is it all makes sense. If I go out the door on the street of a busy highway, I'm just like, oh, everything is like you know, it's it's, it's distracting. It actually yeah. takes you away from yourself. It takes you away from yourself. Beautifully said, Andy. So, um, so what? That trip then segued into the next trip because Ronnie and I said, hey, where are we going to go? And we, we, we finally found. Ronnie, be- Ronnie is his wife. Yeah, you always say that. I assume everyone, you know, who knows. Um, and then the, the thing that hit me was that, oh, we're going to go to Ibiza. It only took me two weeks to pronounce Ibiza correctly because the Z is a, the, in Spanish. So not Ibiza, Ibiza. <laughs> Ibiza. <laughs> so we go to Ibiza and it's a, it's a very interesting experience. I stay up north. I'm away from the techno music. In the north, it is absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous, raw, pure. You go to a beach, there'll be five people there and you feel like you're just experiencing this place as it might have been 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And I'm there and I look at Ronnie and I say, Ronnie, it's a two and a half hour flight. It's like going to a tropical paradise from Amsterdam. It costs you nothing because the flights are so frequent and it's a vacation destination. Hmm. So I get excited and I'm thinking we're going we're gonna to find a house here. And then I start feeling into the energy and I say something just isn't right here. There is a bit of a, a vacation vibe. People weren't coming there to settle. There was a vibration of, I'm here to vacation. I'm here to expand. I'm here to, you know, it was a lot of, it reminded me a little bit of Los Angeles energy. People trying to be something, trying to prove, trying to be in the world. There wasn't just a quiet, calm beingness. It was an active, activeness, which I'm very sensitive to. And the, and the north where you were, it is a very alternative scene compared to the South, right? Sure. Very night and day, of course. Yeah. But I started to channel that in myself. So I'm looking at Ronnie and for two days, I'm like 
meditating with Ronnie. She's looking at me and she's saying, what do you, what's going on? And I say, I love this place, but it's like, I just saw this woman. She's hot. And then I want to have sex with her. So we have sex. And then I wake up and I'm like, but you're not the one I really wanted to be with. I don't love you. <sighs> yeah. And so then I'm looking and Ronnie and I are laughing and having our fun. And then it hits me that you know how fond I am of the Alpajara Mountains in Spain. Yeah, we took a trip together. We took a trip, Hidden Paradise, and that's near Malaga, to a how, an hour and a half away. It's in the mountains. There's something pure about it. There's a lot of alternate living communities in that area, people living in teepees, and there's a whole ayahuasca tribe in the corner of the place. Yes. So I say... You know what, babe? Let's look for the real estate. We look in Ibiza. It is so expensive and nothing that I'd want to live in that I'm now saying, so in order to live here, I have to live in something I'd never want to be in. This makes no sense. So we open up the webpage of the real estate and I find uh, the house and my body begins to vibrate. Like it vibrates like. If you had the tail, it'd be wagging. (laughs) I'm, I'm like, holy shit. This is it. I look at it and I'm like, Ronnie, this is it. In mainland Spain. In mainland Spain. And I'm on the island of Ibiza. So I look at Ronnie and I say, Ronnie, we're flying to Malacca to get this place. <sighs> we're going to go look. And, and, you know, Ronnie and I are a little bit different. I get really excited. And then if it doesn't work out, it's like, oh, what a shame. Ronnie's like, I don't want to get excited because I don't want to be disappointed. So wow. she'll she'll hold hold back. She'll a temper a little bit of the excitement, which is fine. But we get there, and it's even nicer than what I thought it was going to be on the photos. So now I'm just over the moon. We go, we take a trip within a trip, which is the most random thing in a COVID period, because even that was its own complication. We get there, and I see it. I call the guy up on the phone ten minutes after seeing it, and I said, "I want it." I love it. I love everything you've done. So none of the, none of the, you know, let me negotiate. Let me play. It's nice, but you know. Yeah, none of that game. I have 10 possibilities. No, none of that. And I just told him I loved it. And I said, this is what we can really afford, which would make sense for us. And and, and he could see, I could hear, and it was the seller. So I was directly in contact with the owner of the building. And we had like a really great relationship. I mean, it was like talking to a friend. There was no hidden agenda. There was no game plan, no negotiation. It was more like, we'll figure out how to make it work. Let me know. Because it was also his, he was the son. His mother had died a year ago. It was his mother's house. So he was unwinding it. Mm. So there was also a degree to which I wanted for it to be a meaningful moment for him. Because I know how hard it is to unwind things when, when, um, when, you know, it's it's because of a, a loss. Yeah. So we had uh, we just had a beautiful interaction and that was a decision. And I said, Ronnie and I are putting a, a flag in the sand of the mountains of Spain, two acres of 100 olive, 100 olive trees. I've got an orange grove, figs, lemons and the bit I've just it's there. And I don't know where the hell it's going to lead us, but it's going in this direction. And, uh, and and it was weird because not unlike I knew it was right. There was no big game plan. 
I knew that there was going to be a transition period, but I didn't know what it would look like. Still don't know what it looks like. I know I'll spend at least three, four months there to start. Maybe then it goes to half a year. Maybe it goes longer. Maybe through the experience, experience I say, well, this isn't for me. Mm. But I knew that I had to have that experience. I needed to learn what I needed to learn. Do you know, uh, I, I really love feeling your excitement as you speak. The, yeah. Like my, my chair is vibrating. <laughs> yeah, that's because we're, we're, we're actually connected. <laughs> yeah, and that's the way I felt about it. I felt that yeah. level of excitement about it. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like the first time in my life where I haven't got any something for an other purpose. I bought a house so that I can rent it so I have passive income. I've done this because of that for this. It was really like, this is a place that I fell in love with for all the reasons of everything I romanticize about, and I got to live it out. And what it leads to, I still don't know. And that is even exciting. It's more exciting than if I thought I actually knew. Yeah. And what I what I hear from you also is that there's a kind of surrender to the outcome. Like there's a there's a kind of pleasure in the present, even if it means in half a year from now it doesn't work out. It's like, oh, apparently We've tried it and now it's time to transition. We yeah. know it doesn't work and now we're going to figure out what does work. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there will not be any regrets with this. No, because I also saw that the entire process has enriched my life. I interacting with the seller of the building has been a beautiful experience. Everyone's talked about what a horror it is to buy something in Spain. Mm. And I've just had the most joyous experience. I feel more connected to myself in the interaction with this person as we discuss the challenges of trying to transfer the property from there to my name. Yeah. And, and there's just been a real beauty to that, that I've just been really grateful for. Yeah. It, it sounds, uh, you also shared with me, like norm, normally you have the real estate agents, right? Who represent yeah. the land. Yeah. And the way they sell their services, like you can't trust. Yeah. You can't. You two can't trust each other. You're gonna, yeah, uh, like fuck each other over. Exactly. So, so we're here to make sure in your best interest. Yeah, yeah, and don't be. It it it, it, it appeases to the fear. You know, it, you know. There's things you don't know that you can get caught if you make a mistake. You know, there's water rights. There's uh, uh, land rights. There's deeds. You know, everyone's throwing the words in at you where you're like, oh, this feels so overwhelming. So please take take control. Yeah. And, and, and of course, and I even had it with Ronry. We had this funny moment when um, when I speak to the man, we're having a really good talk. You know, I know a lot of his background. And then, you know, as we've progressed really further down to the sale, Ronnie says to me, Andy, what if this is all a scam? <laughs> and, and I'm like thinking to myself, yes, it could have been a scam, right? Yeah. But it would have been had it would have been a scam where he had planned the scam 14 years in advance when he bought it. He would have had to scam that his mom died last year, which is on the internet published all over. <laughs> so it, it could have been this huge elaborate scam, but it, it would have been like so far fetched that just to let fear guide you would have mm -hmm. been really, uh, it would have been, I would have derailed the love and the trust that made the process so beautiful. Yeah. And let's agree. Maybe, some point in my life, I'll get screwed. And you know what? I'd rather live with love and openness 
and be okay with the one time it might happen rather than always being shut down because I'm scared it might happen. And th that goes for anything, right? That goes for e Even relationships. I'm scared of love. Exactly. So I'm going to hold back. And, and that's what we'll see a lot is that people will be so fearful that they won't take the risks per se. Yeah. Or even show themselves. Or show themselves. Yeah, I'd rather take the risk and then suffer the pain of that loss and realize that the cost would be that I'd shut down emotionally and that would be too big a cost. I wouldn't, I would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. Yes, uh, we have some more comments. Do you see, I think, Mariam. <clears throat> Would you say or surrender to the yes inside us, Andy, or make space for it to become what it desires to be? Would you say surrender to the yes inside of us or make space for what it is deserves to be? Desire, sorry, not deserves, desires to be. I I would certainly say when your body vibrates that to resist the vibration is almost like your deepest intuition and not following it. Mm. It's like you're, everything is telling you to do this. And if you don't do it, then you have that weird feeling of regret remorse that you have for much longer time. Mm. Yeah. And in a, on our episode on intuition, in a way, when we don't stop listening to intuition, yeah, it stops speaking to us. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Very good point. So, I'll, people will see me doing crazy shit. I'm on a run, and all of a sudden, my my thought is like, "Oh, isn't it nice to jump in the water?" I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm, I'm lazy." I'm like, "Take off your clothes and jump in the water." <laughs> yeah, and then introducing that spontaneity into the day, all of a sudden it, it, it brings something in, it just starts to click yeah. and click. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Everything begins to fall into flow as opposed to, oh, I've got to figure this out before I do it. Yeah. And by the way, I love that Bob Deutsch is on because Bob, he, as we know of Bob, he's always active in the intuition space. So yeah. let's see what Bob has to say on this. Being in nature, particularly when seeing wild animals. It's a profound experience because you are seeing what life is when doing equal, well, when, when doing equals being, oh yeah, when do, doing equals being. We humans, in contrast, insert our ego. The value of world of chaos is to minimize ego. You allow serendipity. Three cheers for Malaka. Hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Bravo. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's the serendipity. It's the, that's the, I, I don't try to control my life anymore. I allow feelings that are deeper than logic to guide me. And then, of course, afterwards, I'll use logic to justify it. But if I'm honest, there's a deep-seated feeling, and that's compelling me to move, and I'm allowing it to guide me. I, I'm so loving that word, compelling. Which brought another big development, by the way. Which one's that? Well, because of all this movement, yeah. which came from Ibiza, so I'm actually grateful to Ibiza because, like I said, it was a great place to have an affair and then realize this isn't the person I want to be with. But in that energy that was triggered, I also sent the, the draft of the third book, to the editor to get his initial feedback. 
And he read the first three chapters. He said, I love it. And we're going to do this. So the third book is now in editing mode. You are now an official writer after three books. I think three books justifies the real author title. So by the end of this year, there will be a third book. When it gets released, I don't know, but the manuscript will be available by the end of this year. Nice. And I am over the moon. Yeah. I think it actually was the first book that I was endeavoring to write, but never did. I jumped to the last letter in the wounded healer. And now I went back to the first book again, because the first book was me sharing intimately everything I do when it comes to communications and interactions and interpersonal relationships in a very matter of fact, how I do it, why I do it certain ways sort of way. Yeah. I don't want to say that it's gold because people are going to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've already uh, listened to it. He he reads it to me sometimes. Nice. He says, Bambos, let me read your chapter. I'm like, okay. And then I just sit back and I'm like, oh, yes. I love that. Well, the editor loved it. And that for me is a big, because the editor's written, I don't know, massive. What, I don't know how many now. He's written over 50 books. He's done over 50 books. And he actually only chooses the books he wants to write nowadays, Stephen Palmer. He's done some New York Times bestsellers as well. So he has a very good sensibility of what he is compelled by. So he's not really interested in doing things that have already been done. If yeah. he reads it and says, oh, my God, Andy, this is boring me, he won't do it. So for me, that gets me very excited. I'm also assuming that because your first two books they're very impactful when you read them and reread them. And I can imagine if you're editing, you kind of take it in. Yeah. So this book is this book. If you read it first and then you read the other two books, you kind of, ah, that's where that is. And that's where that, like, that's how I, my brain works. If I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Principles and values. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really and, – and, and if we look at this show and everything in my life at the moment, there is a certain beauty to how the serendipity nature of it is because a lot of people would think that this is far more organized than it probably is. I don't know if they do or not, but a lot of people would. But Cass Midgley, he's also a dear friend, right? Yeah. And he's – you know, he called me and said, Andy, I can't, I can't edit the shows anymore. And I laughed and I was like, oh, that's sad. What's going on? And, and I could see he felt bad because his life is going through so much fundamental change that he didn't feel like he could keep up with our pace of producing these shows. And I laughed at him and I said, Cass, do you realize that if you don't do it, we're probably not going to do it because we do it because we have a loving relationship? Like this isn't about producing shows. It's about creating a network of people that I love. And, and I think in a way, when you say it to people, they, they feel it, but it's so hard for them to believe it because they just don't want to believe that they're loved. So when Cass, and I, and I see he's part of the family. And There's also one more thing. What's that? Um, probably in other relationships, they were made to feel that they're a bad person or you're bailing out on us. Hey, we agreed to this. So in a way by you not judging and, and fully celebrating whatever choice they want because you want the best for them yeah, and giving them that love. It's like, oh, wow, you're giving me something that I that's new for me to actually digest. Is this for real? Yeah. And I think that's what you're articulating is the way he feels. Yeah. I think it's also the way Steve Palmer feels because in a way 
I work with Steve, who's the editor of the books, very similarly. You know, the world revolves around what's going on in their lives. And then we see if it matches where I am and we see if it works, but there's nothing personal. You know, if we can be together, I love it. And if we can't, that's just a shame for that moment. Yeah. I think what was interesting was we did a show which which is connects to that subject, which is really good, with uh, Peter Koenig, which was the love and business show, which is, I think, you know, from a perspective of our shows, it got a lot of views. His show on money was the most viewed show we've ever done, but his show on love and business was also quite highly viewed. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that subject up now for people who might want to watch it back is that he has really lived the principle we just discussed, which is if you aren't coming from your full strength, doing what you love, and then seeing that it meets where I am in my full strength, then I don't want to work with you. So if you need me to get your confidence because you can't divine or develop your own thing, then I don't want to work with you because you're still needing me. And then you're, you're actually becoming a manager in the relationship. Exactly. So, and, and, and he really lives principally that way, which I think is really beautiful. And I've taken certainly that on for myself is that if I'm working with someone and they say, I'll do whatever you want. I'm like, I don't want to work with you if you do whatever. I want. What do you want to do? And until they find that, then I see I can meet you and your strength and support it or love it or help yeah. it. That, But if you tell me, hey, I don't know what I want, but I'm happy if you can help me, then it's often impossible to, or not impossible. It's not easy to help someone like that because mm -hmm. you don't even know where to start often. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to put one comment up, Andy. Uh, Miriam says, wait, what? I thought the affair story was a daydream. It was a metaphor, Miriam. Miriam. <laughs> Andy did not have an affair with anyone. He's in a deeply loving relationship. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, Miriam. I mean, I like to be very honest and intense in my metaphors. So I don't pick a metaphor because I think it'll be easily accessible to, I pick it because it feels the most raw and the most real. So when I'm with Ronnie, we have a, such a lovingly open relationship that we wouldn't, we wouldn't pretend or try to soften it to make it less. And Ronnie is the first one that would come back to me with even a stronger metaphor. You know, I think she was the one that added the things to the metaphor, probably in the way I just spoke. I didn't know if I said it that way, the way I, so yeah, that, that is Mariam. It is not a uh, affair. It is a metaphorical affair with a woman and then learning that I actually love my wife. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> Will she take me back? It depends. And we also, given the fact that we're both going to be on different, uh, well, same continent, but... Yeah, same uh, time zone still. Actually, we'll be on, on, on the two extremes of Europe, right? I'll be in Cyprus, which is the edge of Europe, and oh, you'll yeah. be uh, in oh, Spain. In Spain, in the Alpajara Mountains. And since both... <laughs> countries are Mediterranean. <laughs> exactly. The internet sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I have spent more time trying to figure out how to get a high-speed internet connection than I have anything about the house. <laughs> so, and, and you know what I know is that I can get the internet connection, but it's expensive. Yeah. Starlink. I don't know if anyone is aware of Starlink, but it comes out this year. And in, in the next weeks, it's Elon Musk satellite dishes that are above us. And you can get broadband internet from anywhere in the world for a hundred dollars uh, a month. month yeah yeah so 
we have, we also have to see if we can actually keep broadcasting this uh, show without uh, glitches. Yeah, that'll be a challenge. I think we'll figure it out in time, but we'll have to figure it out. Like it's going to be a little bit. And of if a... you don't know what that means, you're going to have to watch episode one, two, <laughs> three, three, four, five, uh, when uh, everything uh, was messing uh, up. Uh, 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 and, and then it took one of our guests to be a witness of how technologically everything was getting ruined and she says this is a wonderful chaos <laughs> that gave us our name that yes. gave us our name thank you natalie yeah so we might move back to being more technologically a wonderful chaos than only uh in our interactions yeah so yeah we'll have to figure out how that evolves there is a degree of wow it is a wonderful chaos and and what i realized is one thing i agreed on this show is i never wanted this show to disrupt how i wanted to live yeah so uh, in that, one way, that, that will be a we definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For me and I, I'm yeah, for you as well. Was that basically I live and then if this show works, I'll figure out a way to make it work. But I'm not going to like not go on a trip because the show is on. That would just start to eat into what makes in, it fun to do this. Hinder life. Yeah. So I'll probably when I move to Spain for that first th month, I'll probably cut off the shows because I don't even know what the internet quality is going to be. So I haven't discussed that with you yet, but yeah. we'll figure that out together. And when I'm in Cyprus in October, we're going to cut off the shows. You'll be in Cyprus for three months. If we... Well, at, le at least the first few weeks, I need to really figure out the Wi-Fi there. Yeah, that as well. If you look at that, like what would you say, not not knowing for sure, if, and this might, not, this might be a crazy, is there an intention for you in that time? Is there something that you would actually desire to sort of have as an outcome without being too overly specific? Or is it really just, I'm going to spend three months there? Oh, I'm, I'm so three months for me means I want to see what it's like to live there. Okay. So not as a three week tourist. Okay. I want to see what it's like to earn a living in Cyprus doing the profession. Cause right now, now that things have opened up in Amsterdam, I open my inbox every other day and there's someone that wants to work with me. Okay. In Cyprus, that will not be the case for now. Yeah, yeah. So I need to see, and I need to be patient, of course. It's not something that I'm going to create in three months, but at least I want to see the potential of, yes, I can sustain myself here. Yeah. And I don't know, after, like, I'm, I'm coming back end of the year. I've rented my place out for the first time ever for three months. I found someone ready. But end of the year, when I come back again, I want to tune into what my life will look like. Is it that I live in Amsterdam part of the year and part of the year there? Mm -hmm. Am I more in Cyprus and I come back here just for big jobs? Yeah. Because I still have a lot of clients here who um, I really love and work. And being back now after three weeks in Cyprus, um, as I'm living my daily life, there's a presence because I'm like, fuck, I'm really enjoying riding my bike. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm sitting with a client this morning. We, we have lunch every few weeks. And as I'm looking at him, I start crying. Mm. And he's like, and, and he, he thought I had something in mind. I'm like, you know what? I'm sitting here with you and it's people like you that make it difficult for me to go back home because even mm. though I'm going back to a family, mm. I love you, I told him, yeah. as a brother. <laughs> and I had the same with you and Ronnie yesterday. I, I came to you guys, it was Sunday morning. And I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm so used to seeing you two sitting in these opposite chairs. Mm. And, and all of a sudden I just tune into how much I love you guys. And of course, 
I also don't know what life is going to look like when we live in different countries. Yeah. And just like everything, we'll figure it out as we move along. Yeah. <sighs> so I can't deny that there's a lot of love here in Amsterdam for me. Mm. Yeah. So it feels like, again, there's love here and love there. And yeah. Yeah. It reminds Time me. is so precious, Andy. Yeah. So beginning of the show, you mm. said death is also a thing for life yeah. changes. And I can't deny that spending time with my mother and laughing with her and still every morning having conversations with her and getting to know her. She said something really nice about my dad uh, a few times in our conversations. First time ever. First time ever. Yeah. But it's like, mm. wow. Like, I don't want to be far far away from her and just have these small moments. I, I want to nurture the connection that I have with her now. Yeah. There, there's there's one more um, change that I'm that I'm also uh, that I've also been busy with. Yeah, what's that? So I've I've been earning enough money in my life to sustain myself. Okay. I've never really had. I never really wanted holidays. There's never been things that I wanted to own. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, a house in the mountains of Cyprus gave me a reason to up my game. Mm. So since I'm back, uh, I've kind of doubled my prices. Wow. Um, and it's been really nice because old clients want to give discounts. And, and I'm so firm in the value that I give. It's like, hey, listen, I can give you a payment plan, but I cannot, where I am right now, give a discount, even though I'd love to. Yeah. And because right now it's driven by purpose. And, I, and I'm getting new clients who see the price. Oh, this is what he charges. Yeah. So it, it, it's really like, oh, wow, now I feel this is where I need to be. So this is what I need to do. And I even got to the point where I went to hire a, a financial coach. And she was charging uh, 15000 And I, I didn't have the deposit to give her for this kind of a commitment. I know it's going to happen. But I also didn't want to create so much stress in myself where I wouldn't be able to stay in relationship with her. Mm. So that's definitely going to be my, um, my next risk. Mm. And I know I have to take it by the way. Yeah. <sighs> but already by in, in, in entertaining that idea, things are already shifting. Yeah. So that's the crazy, crazy, that's the thing. crazy thing, isn't it? Yeah. When you were talking, it reminded me, I live, you know, for those, that don't know. I lived in Japan for years, and I remembered I had that dear friend Hideki, and he had a girlfriend Maki, and and the week before I left, it was so sad to think we were going to separate, knowing that the, the likelihood that we would spend the same amount of time together was wasn't high. So he slept at my house every night for a week. So he just stayed because he just wanted to be close to one another. And of course, people thought it was weird. You know, it was his girlfriend. It was like, you know, you know, what are you guys crazy? Like what, like <laughs> what, you know, and, and for us, it was the most natural thing in the world because it was the last 
the last week that we were going to be able to be near be near to one another mm-hmm. and uh and that was an experience <clears throat> which i remember having a hard time explaining to others because socially there's ideas of what loss and leaving uh, a loving relationship look like you know and 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 yeah and until this day there is always a feeling of remembering the moment that we were together and it transcends time it transcends you know where he is or why i am it's almost like wherever we are we know each other at our deepest and that's something that i would say he sees me with the kind of love and compassion that i only knew from my mom mm. and that and 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 that like carried me through very difficult times in my life and therefore I'm very connected to um, how would I say to your your story and to how I remember a lot of the letting go or saying goodbye to people who meant so much to me and when I say goodbye not in the sense of death but in the sense of a chapter of uh, my life yeah. yeah like just feeling that deep gratitude to what they've contributed to your journey to that point yeah yeah I, i mean love love in a way is i love you enough to say goodbye like yeah. i don't need to hold on to you yeah but love in the sense of not the shame or guilt or let's try to pretend it doesn't hurt as much as it hurts exactly which was something that fully was, owning it yeah fully owning it yeah uh, and i find it beautiful to read tamas I feel a loss when you say you might leave. <laughs> I love you, Thomas. And Miriam, I feel like crying now too. Mm. And Miriam is someone that we know for a very short time, but we've gotten to know in a very connected, deep way, in a very quick pace. So yeah. wonderful to have you in our life, Miriam. Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful doing a show like this during covid so we wouldn't have had the chance to meet people um firsthand but we all we meet them e- e- through the show and then we meet them in person which has been a really beautiful experience and yeah. this show started exactly like our major life decisions yeah first day of covid first show it was yeah. like a Let's do it. Let's just do this. Let's just make it happen. With an iPhone and yeah. now we have a professional. <laughs> oh, yeah. Reasonably professional setup. A wonderful chaos, people. A wonderful chaos. Bye-bye. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way.